Welcome to the Improvement Nerds Podcast, where it's our goal to bring together a bunch of improvement nerds in order to start and improve evolution by providing people with a new tool set, a new skill set, and a new mindset. We're grateful that you're spending time with us today. If you enjoy what you hear, please follow our podcast and subscribe because there's sure to be good content that occurs in these conversations as we nerd out. All right, Improvement Nerds. This is an amazing episode. I cannot wait to share this episode with you. Very excited to be having a conversation with my friend Eric Eicher, who everyone calls Ike for short. So Ike was one of my original um, mentors, um, accountability partners in getting this idea off the ground. So I've been kicking the can about starting my own business and podcasting and putting all this stuff out in the universe sad to say, for many years. And uh, he was one of those individuals that I initially shared this idea with. And he listened, he encouraged, he shared his stories. He himself is an entrepreneur. Uh, He's made uh, a great name for himself in the marketing industry. And he was a very busy person and he never um, made me feel like I was being a burden. He was always available to grab coffee and have lunch. Uh, So he was someone along the way who really helped me stay focused on this idea and wouldn't just let it exist as an idea in my head, but really wanted to see me taking action to do that. So he'd encouraged me to start doing freelancing and connect with uh, other individuals in this space and learn from them and start to position myself so that I can make these dreams a reality. And I can't believe it's coming together. And a lot of that is not just because of him. There's been so many people that have helped me get to where I am today, but he he had a pretty in, pretty big impact on me. And I'm so excited to be sharing his story and um, celebrating our friendship by recording it on a, on a podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited to uh, introduce to you Eric Eicher, uh, who is uh, the founder of a co-founder of an organization called We Are Right Hand, uh, for short, Right Hand. Then when they went to brand the company, um, We Are, uh, Right Hand was already taken, so they call it We Are Right Hand. Uh, and in this episode, Ike's going to be talking about his journey uh, in um, discovering the importance of adopting a designer's mindset and how that has enabled him to not just be successful for himself, but to help organizations that he partners with to see the bigger picture and to dream a little bit. And that's just something that's unique. A lot of organizations, when they work with um, consultants, you know, they're looking for something transactional, like, hey, we've got this problem, we need to solve it, or we've got this ad campaign and we want to produce it. And when Ike and when his business partner come into the picture, they're challenging organizations to think beyond their immediate needs and start to think about the long-term play that's more appropriate to be making. So excited to share uh, his story in this episode, and hopefully as you listen to it, um, you love what he has to say, and if so, you can find Ike on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find them online at wearerighthand.com, and hopefully um, you guys are able to connect with them if, if you see that it's important. I know he'd love to have the conversation with you. So thank you again. Here's episode nine. Hey, everyone. This is Tom with the Improvement Nerds Podcast, back with another episode. I've got a great friend, a mentor of mine who's joined me today. I'm going to introduce him quickly, and then the two of us, we're going to nerd out, and it's going to be a lot of fun. 
So how I met Ike or Eric Iker, um, my wife's been in graphic design for a while and she worked for an agency downtown helping to create brand strategy and use her graphic design skills to do that. And on the opposite side of the work Carolyn was doing, Ike was out working with the organizations to really understand the brand strategy and their messaging. So they were uh, working together quite a bit. So we got to know him and his family through that employer, and we've just stayed friends since. So he continues to kick work Carolyn's way, and I'm grateful for that. But mostly I'm grateful for the mentorship that he's provided me as I started my own business. So as we jump into this, I do want to call out one thing. There's a quote that I had given me when I was thinking about who I wanted to be when I created this business. And it was, Tom, you have a choice here. You can focus on the success or you can focus on the significance. And he'd said it's always and should always be significant over success. And with that, he just kind of instilled in me that we've got these opportunities to have a profound impact. We'll probably never see those things, but you should try nonetheless. So that was the encouragement he gave me as I embarked on this journey. And I'm just super excited to be circling back with him and first say thank you for that encouragement and for instilling that in me. And also thank you for joining me today on the podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, here's Ike. I turn the floor over to him to just let him plug himself a little bit. Um, He's a busy person. He's got a full household. Um, outside of, you know, running his own business and trying to keep up with the schedule of his children. You know, he, he's, he himself, so he'll share with you, he practices martial arts. So um, thanks for taking time on your day to be here today. Well, thanks for having me. Um, thank you for the nice intro. It uh, means a lot, honestly. Um, I think we've, or I know I've been very fortunate in my career to meet people both younger than me, older than me, that have been ins- inspiring to me, right? So, um, that quote that I gave you, I think a lot of times um, it's hard for us to see the people that we are. Mm-hmm. And so when you see someone who has an unbelievable amount of talent and vision and drive and that, that you learn from, you want to encourage them. You want them to get better. So a lot of times it, for us, it's just, hey, this is how I see you. You need to say yourself this way. So you are significant at a high level and you are successful. So you've actually checked both of those boxes off. Now we just need to think of a third and fourth and then so on. So I'm happy to see how, how much things have grown for you personally and professionally. And uh, Carolyn was always a wonderful person to work with. And I think both of you guys embody the fact that we're people first. And so when you're, you can't fail when you surround yourself with great people. So I appreciate being here. Um, you know, it's hard to believe that I graduated Ball State in 1998. And I get asked to go back and talk to Ball State, I think, because they have a list of 100 people and I'm 101. You know, when David Letterman can't be there, like, who do we know has a beard and haven't shaved since I've been 13? So I think that works. But, um, you know, last time I was up there, I was like, hey, raise your hand if you were born on or after 98. And the whole auditorium did for the first time. And then I realized right away that none of them probably were going to listen to a word I said after that, because, you know, what would this 43-year-old guy know? But um, so my career has been in advertising branding, communications. Um, most recently, I won't bore everyone to death with my whole history, but um, about eight years ago, eight and a half years ago, I started Iconic, did a lot of brand strategy, video producing, uh, a lot of creative work, user experience. Uh, and then more recently, about two and a half years ago, uh, I was working with a collaborator who I really respected for years. His name is Brian Kreider. And uh, we came out of a meeting uh, one summer and he put his bag in his trunk, kind of slammed the trunk down. He's like, this is enough. We're giving all these great ideas to people. We need to do this for ourselves. And so really right hand, the business that I co-own was really Brian's idea. 
of just the frustration of two guys that have kind of run similar parallels in our lives and uh, brought it together. So we do a lot of strategic communications and we really help businesses rethink their problem space by understanding the people who engage with their brand. So whether that's employee engagement, whether that's a rebrand, whether that's uh, visual communications, storytelling, um, we really get to the why and uh, tear things apart for people. So that's my quick story. And the only thing I say is, like you said, uh, I'm a husband to a wife that's a nurse. Uh, she's smarter and better looking than me. Uh, and I know that. And she knows that. I got two wonderful kids, 12 and 9, Addie and Cam, and a 92-pound boxer that will hopefully leave us alone for uh, this conversation. So if you hear a bark, I'm not channeling my inner DMX uh, through this call. Here. And right now, for context, we're uh, quarantined. So our nation is in the midst of a pandemic. So we've all been asked to stay home and um, minimize our physical contact with, with others. Um, but with a household like that, I mean, it's hard for you to minimize physical contact because it sounds like you got to go to the grocery store at least two times a day. So <laughs> I'm sure they're eating a lot and those kids are just ready to get outdoors. Yeah, there's been a lot of like, how can you eat that many peanut butter cups? <laughs> you know, so we, we didn't stockpile uh, toilet paper and uh, all the other things that people did. Right, wrong, or indifferent, that's fine. I know people have different things that make yeah. them worried. Uh, ours was more like, hey, like, you know, a bag of candy a day is, you know, not even a <laughs> on Halloween. Let's chill out here. So I think we started this quarantine with a sugar buzz. And uh, hopefully when we and when we pull out of this, uh, maybe we'll do that again just for old time's sake. Yeah, I am here. Carolyn and I, we took on a ketogenic diet about maybe mid-January or so. We were just looking for um, renewed focus on our health and wellness. You know, we weren't training, we weren't preparing for any races like we usually had. Um, we had our eyes on a race in 2021. So we're like, okay, what are we going to do this year? And we're like, let's just change our diet. Let's change our lifestyle. So in the midst of this now, you know, with the need for fresh produce and meat, you know, you're shopping like two times a week. So we've had to kind of stay focused on, on our diet during this time because we don't want to give up on it. I think right now, a lot of individuals who found themselves in this situations, they're trying to maintain something that's regular. And the one thing, uh, there's a lot of things we should be willing to flex on, but one of those things should not be your health and wellness. Yeah. And just trying to stick to that right now is what's kind of keeping Carolyn and I saying is this is the one thing we've got going. And if we can keep this going through this time, you, we can do it under any circumstances. So it's just been like a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you guys. I mean, you're exactly right. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything and not yeah. just physical health, not just diet, nutrition, mental health. So mental. Oh, yeah. I'm more worried about the isolation and what it's doing for people who are already challenged with anxiety and depression and things yeah. like that. Because, um, I think hopefully, and I, I believe this, that as a society, we're starting to tear down the stigma of talking about the things that really upset us and bother us, especially being an, an adult male over 40. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's just be honest. You know, we grew up with put some dirt on it. You're fine. No tears, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, being able to reach out to someone and say, it's okay, man, if you're scared, we got your back. And I just hope that people continually reach out to their friends and just ask if they're okay and have some genuine and authentic conversations with people. But I'm glad to hear you guys are doing that, putting that, that number one. Yeah. And I appreciate that you brought that up as yeah, people's health and wellness is a complete picture it's not just how you are physically or how your diet is but how you are in regards to your mental health and i think 
there was coaching to start to call it physical distancing instead of social distancing has social distancing could lead to isolation. You just completely unplug from the people around you. And that's not the guidelines. The guidelines is to find ways to stay connected to them just with physical, um, you know, distancing between the two. So I've, I've actually, um, glad to see so much activity on social media about we need to be careful in the words we use and we need to have this conversation about um, the anxiety that a crisis like this can, can cause. And yeah, I'm, I'm just thankful that it's easier to talk about now than it was even two, three years ago. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. So we've got, we got to get to this podcast. I've got questions I got to ask you. We could just, you know, Kick, kick the ball back and forth as we always do when we get together coffee. Oh, oh before I jump into it, where, where did we meet that last time when we had those Pop-Tarts? I feel like we need to plug those Pop-Tarts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that was, oh, now you're putting me on the spot. Okay, <sighs> one at the Ironworks, and now there's one at the Yard and Fishers. It's going to come, Rise. The Rise. Oh, yeah. Yes. I, if you grew up eating Pop-Tarts, these are the best Pop-Tarts you'll ever have to the point that I will just go in there and get one and pretend like I got stood up for a meeting and be like, oh, well, I have to order something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just art, they'll be like, well, why'd you bring your laptop then? Um, they're that good. It's a Cunningham, Cunningham restaurant group. I think it's restaurant. Phenomenal. So, yes, I'm not sponsored by them, but if they do want to send me adult Pop-Tarts, which is yes. what they call them, I will send you my address later. I know. Yeah. You, you think about organizations like that who have brought you know, a delightful dish into the world. And you're like, how, how, first, why didn't I think about this? And I can't wait to have it again. So I hope that, you know, all, all those local restaurants and stuff that are, are driving our economy are staying top of mind for individuals. And that when they make a choice to get delivery or to go out and get carry out, that they're trying to support those local businesses. So right now I think that adult Pop-Tart is like medicine in some ways. So I'd encourage people if you can get out there safely and get carry out, get yourself, I don't know. They, I think they should have like a, a six pack or a 12 pack of adult pop tarts. It would be game changer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Put them in a giant foil bag. They'll be half will be gone by the time I get home though. And I only live 15 minutes away, but that's <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's, let's get into the improvement nerd podcast. The big chunk of this is about what nerds you out. So I'm going to set the stage here. I'm going to ask you a really hard question. It's what nerds you out? Yeah. Well, a lot of things, but I, for the sake of conversation and people listening, we'll, we'll narrow it down. I think number one is this idea of a growth mindset. And I think that triggers a lot of things because I think when you start to adopt that, and we all flow in and out of a growth mindset, we're not always going to be in abundance over scarcity or always thinking about you know future state as opposed to current state. But I just love that whole breakdown. I love that dynamic because it deals with understanding people. Um, it leads to, as a business and me personally, I love the idea of rethinking and reframing problems for businesses or people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is we get very um, sort of casual in our thinking at times, and we're all guilty of this, right? Um, where what we know is what's in front of us. And it's the whole idea, well, we've always done it this way. So I love to say, well, that might feel like your problem right now, but let's think bigger. Let's not put any barriers in place of our success. Let's not put anything that we've sort of thought there. So that, that whole idea just nerds me out. Um, and then just 
the 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 arts if you will whether it's music whether it's writing you know um i love a good ad campaign and tagline mm-hmm. um self-improvement i know this is obviously you know a lot about improvement but that nerds me out because that follows a growth mindset um and then for me it's this idea of you know when you talk about process improvement and six sigma and black belts i'm actually a third degree black belt or will be, I should say, I'm going to be virtually testing here in April for my third degree because of social distancing. So um, the school that we go to on the West side uh, is owned by one of my really good friends. And he's immediately taken the constraints of where we are and he's moved a lot of his training online. Mm-hmm. And so now we're doing zoom and small sessions. We're doing, uh, you know, essentially Facebook live every night. He's making workouts available. So I love this idea of what do we need as adults to still act like kids, whether it's a physical activity, whether it's adult Pop-Tarts and a great conversation uh, and things like that. So those, those are a lot, I know, but that's, that's what kind of fires me up. Yeah, I love the, the, the bullet point list that you have there is all surrounded around what's going to keep things playful and in a, keep me in a space where I'm safe to, to tinker and experiment and learn. Uh, by doing and for a lot of adults that environment doesn't exist but that's how we grew and matured and developed as children and uh, I think right now just where we are in regards to being isolated and families have found themselves at home with their kids and that could be a pretty stressful time because our us as adults we we thrive off of structure and we want to apply rigor and give our kids order in the house. And for us, it's been a challenge because we're trying to help our kids cope with this uncertainty the way that we cope with it as adults, where reality is the kid shouldn't be confined. And we as adults, we should allow ourselves to actually act and behave more like the kids who are in our house right now and just have a better mix of structure and unstructure where we're free to create, we're free to play. And that I think is something that I'm realizing the more and more I'm around my boys is I'm, I should not really see this relationship as me parenting them or trying to develop them. I can learn from them right now. Just the carefree attitude that they have is something that we go a long way with the circumstances we found ourselves in. So I love that your bullet point list is all about remaining in that space where you have a little bit of structure, but things are still unstructured where we're completely open to doing it a different way. And that just makes it less stressful. Yeah, no, it it may feel like an odd analogy, but I used to do a lot of work with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society and I did a lot of their video works, predominantly all video for their events. And I used to shoot the boy and girl, the year campaign. And it was very emotional. As you would understand, you'd go into these families' homes, they wanted to share a story about what they've been through so others could learn and grow from it. So they were, you talk about being in the most vulnerable state, right? Mm-hmm. It's very hard to look at a mom and dad that have been through what their children have been through and they just want to help someone else. But when you talk to the kids, the thing that always made me realize and where I don't want to lose as an adult, because somewhere in our journey from kid to adult, we do lose it. We got to go back and find it. Um, is they give themselves um, something to look forward to every day. So, um, and what I mean by that is when they're going through chemo and they're really sick, they know that they're going to get ice cream in their PlayStation or their iPad. And they're not on their iPad already looking at symptoms. They're not looking at how long recovery time is. They're not looking at the things as adults we dive into headfirst. And so they just 
what they do is they focus on the, this is really crappy for me right now. And I have this really great thing a day or two from here and they focus on the positive. So they don't lose sight of what's important. And it's that one thing or two things. Mm -hmm. I even think about my grandmother who lived to be into her nineties and um, no joke. She like even her late eighties back in central Pennsylvania was cleaning the, her roof off by being on the roof. Uh, and they finally said, you probably need to go assisted living. So you don't you know, hurt yourself, that kind of thing. And she would have a beer every afternoon until it got to a point they had to switch it with the no duels, you know, <laughs> but she gave herself something to look forward to every day because she never had that beer by herself. So I think he's, what you're saying is like what we can learn from our kids and, and being in our home right now is these constraints that we have, they're opportunities. Mm-hmm. They're opportunities to recenter ourselves about what's important. They're opportunities for businesses to rethink how they move forward. I mean, if you look at the Taekwondo school or what we're doing right now, you know, virtual calling to connect because um, we're not thinking about all the things that we think, well, I can't do that. Well, what if this happens? It's like, I don't know, mm-hmm. I'm going to go do it. And if I get a little dirty, mom's going to yell at me, but I'm going to take a shower and I'll be clean tomorrow. Right. So it's like, I don't, I, you're right. I think just staying in that, that area of let's explore, let's play, let's understand and uh, fail quickly and bounce back. Yeah. The kids and their story, they're just naturally uh, energized about opportunity and they're not, they just don't have that fear uh, about what's next. It's just beyond that is the next playful thing it's there's really no barriers that exist for them they could just see past those things and into the opportunities that be there and i think that's just an important way to see the world and i think it's cool that you brought up those videos as kind of a touchstone of your career and the thing that you know had a profound impact on you i I think in my life there's been a couple of major milestones I'd achieved that were inspired by the goal, the spirit that the kid had that I just watched and I'm like, man, like I'm taking myself too serious and it's stalling me out. I'm overthinking this and I just need to have a healthy dose of let's do it and see what happens. So those things were uh, creating a little fundraiser right when I came out of college and I was in grad school uh, called the savvy runners. So my um, cousin has a daughter who had a um, growth within her chest that was non-operative that caused her to have scoliosis. And, you know, the doctors were saying like, you shouldn't be bending over. You shouldn't be doing ballet. You shouldn't be doing this. And she did all those things. So for four years, while she was going through this spine straightening procedures, which I'm sure were quite painful every year, my friend and I, we ran the Chicago marathon and would try to raise money for Shriners. So that was, just an example in my life where I got a little bit of courage, not on my own, but by watching a kid. And then uh, my buddy and I, Jake Hack, just did, it was October of 18. We did two Ironman races within 15 days of each other. Now, Jake's he's slightly crazier than I am. He went and did a 70.3 even two weeks after that. So uh, that was all catalyzed by Jake and the 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 struggle that he and his family faced, they had a pretty hard two years, uh, which they lost a child. And then one of the others um, had to deal with um, cancer and to, to go through that struggle. So, you know, Jake and his family, they were in a situation and those, I think the strength that Sawyer showed during that time was really something that helped Jake and his wife. And just being in that presence, you're like, anything is possible. You know, I can't use these words of, you know, that won't work or I'm not, I'm not possible. 
when you see things like that, you're like, quit making excuses and just see what happens. So on those days when we ran those races, I tell people that was the easiest Ironman I'd ever done because I was out there with my best friend and we were doing it for a purpose greater than ourselves. And when you put yourself in those situations, you're like um, made out of iron, like for real. I was unbreakable on those days and I loved every moment of it. So I think I love that you're going back to that and you had those touchstones uh, around kids and just their ability to overcome and that we as adults, we can learn a lot from them. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think two things that you said to stand out to me there that tie into this for sure is the fact that, you know, everything is impossible until somebody does it. Yeah. And it sounds so silly to say it, but every, I mean, really you think about it. I mean, I don't like heights. So to put me in a rocket and send me to the moon, I'd die on the way up. I'd have a heart attack. You know, it's just not something I want to do. But, you know, we dream. And when you dream big, you you can do just about anything. I mean, it's proof. And finding courage. I mean, like you said, it's you can do a lot of things when you realize that there's a purpose greater than yourself. And I think mentoring, helping people, understanding people, those things like I was talking about a little bit about nerding out or that's everything, those connections that you have, just making people better because then you get better. It feels kind of selfish. You know, you always sometimes leave and you do a terrible act. You're like, I hope they got out of that as much as I did, right? Yeah. I think that's because we finally separated self from the bigger picture. Um, so, no, I appreciate that. That was a great story. And, you know, I think that's – we all need courage from others because we can't be courageous all the time, right? We To go into the arena and go into battle all the time, sometimes you need something other than yourself. You know, those wins that we tend to have, the big ones, if you look back, mm-hmm. very few were they just something that inspired from within. A lot of times it's something you read, saw, talked with, uh, a person that motivated you to take that next step. So, yeah, I appreciate it. Cool. So I, I'm curious, you talked a little bit about that video and what it meant, but there's probably other things, catalytic events that have got you to this point to where you believe it's important to be practicing mindfulness and adopt a growth mindset. So how, how did this become a passion for you? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we used to always say that uh, account executives back in the day when we called them that at agencies, we're just naturally curious. Strategists are naturally curious engineers, chemists, right? And that was an easiest way to say they're going to ask a lot of questions to figure stuff out. Um, but what I started realizing was that there needed to be a process to things. So it really started to click for me whenever I realized that, um, one, I had to define success and failure in my own terms and not compare myself to everyone else. So in a world of comparisons on social media, when everyone's got a new puppy, a house, a car, a truck, and those kinds of things, um, they're not really sharing the things that are you know, extremely personal, which is great because I think some people do lose self-awareness. I started looking around at, well, like this person or that person or who I was with, they tend to follow something, some process that allows us to kind of look at the steps we can walk someone through. So I think mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, um, I started looking at design thinking and I did it under a very closed, very uh, a different mindset. You know, the whole idea of like just renaming things to make them sound better. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I thought, oh, this is just a fancy way to say design. And then I started thinking like, no way, like the IDO folks and, you know, Stanford and all the people that started really looking at design thinking and starting from a place of empathy, especially when we're moving everything to tech is what I think was a catalyst for why I started looking at a growth mindset. Because what I looked at right away is the best tech that we have is because it connects where people are. 
The best conversations we have, we connect with a person. The best managers we've had, peers we've had, friends we've had, those kinds of things. It's all human-centered design. Mm-hmm. And so that's whenever I started looking at this whole idea of like, well, it's got to start with people and it's got to end with people. And the better we understand where someone is, the more empathy we can show to our fellow person, mm-hmm. the more we get to know where they are. But more importantly, now we get to know where they want to go and what, what barriers they have put. What are they afraid of? What keeps them up at night? You know, when someone calls now and says, we need a video, why do you need a video? Where our sales are down. Why are your sales down? We have an mm-hmm. antiquated product. Why do you have an antiquated product? We had to cut R&D at our company. Then we push back and say, you think a video is going to help that? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we get a lot of clients to say, oh, no. And then, then we start the process of saying, let's tear this apart and better understand where you are, where your company is, where you are within the industry. And we almost take 10 steps back to take a big step forward. So long-winded answer and don't know if really I can pinpoint a period of time that really sort of switched the light bulb on. But I think when I look back at that journey, I realized I started asking a lot of questions of others to say, I feel kind of stuck in this box, but I want to be out here. Um, And then, you know, like I said, my business partner, Brian, he was in the emerging technologies program at Ball State in design thinking and getting his certificate. And he was talking all the time about, man, if we start this business, we have to think future state. Mm-hmm. Let's adopt the behaviors and the mentality of who we want to be, not where we are now, because we'll never get out of that box. And the more he explained things, I remember going on one of the first projects with him, with he led, I'm halfway through thinking, I have no idea how the hell we're going to make sense of anything we just did. We took the sticky notes back, all the exercises, the importance difficulty matrix, the problem tree analysis, the, the laddering piece that we just did. And uh, he said, just give it a couple of days, trust the process. And two and a half years later, I realized that the more I trust the process, the more I grow, the more our clients grow, and the more I just love what we do. So that's that idea of that growth mindset that's installed in me because I believe in it 100%. I've seen it work. Um, I've seen design thinking work. And I've seen starting with empathy and understanding people and making mm-hmm. though that idea the center of everything. I don't say it's bulletproof. It's close. Yeah. And it's definitely the long way around the lake. You know, there's no shortcut. I think individuals who have training in project management or problem solving, you know, a lot of organizations value speed and efficiency in bringing forward solutions and executing on a tight, tight timeline. Whereas design is more, let's spend time, as much time as necessarily to truly understand the the opportunity that is in front of us as an organization, the opportunity that's in front of us as an employer or a producer or a supplier, you know, know your role, but then also put yourself uh, outside of that role and into the shoes of others and try to view the opportunity from their perspectives. And that just takes time. And you're right. It's something that uh, can cause individuals to be skeptical because it seems abstract when you're doing it and almost every design sprint I've worked on on day one, there's a lot of apprehension and uncertainty in the room. But by the time you get to that persona exercise and you're doing the storytelling and you're trying to understand the problem from that persona's perspective and you're creating how might we statements of how might we do this for this person and how might we do that for this person, the the, the opportunity becomes scalable and the energy becomes super um, 
just contagious. Everyone's on fire. They're like, we got to solve these problems. We got to do these things for these people. And it becomes less about the ideas and it comes more about the people and giving them value. And that's where it's like this switch goes on. And sometimes it can happen, you know, in a week and other times it takes some, you know, marinating and a little bit of looking at it for that switch to go on. But I love that within a business or any organization that uses this thinking, that concept of, well, we've always done it this way is easily challenged and overcome because now they can see with new eyes. And on the other side of that is better products, better services, better messaging. So you said you get nerded out about a tagline that resonates well. That doesn't, those things don't happen accidentally. Those things can only happen by truly understanding the, the needs of your customer or the unstated needs of your customer and finding a way to speak directly to that. So I love that that your your pathway to this was through design thinking and that you're, you know, as a designer, you're always got that curiosity. Yeah, no, and I think the other thing too is we've talked about it before is um, this idea of am I, am, I, um, am I having something taken away or am I gaining something? And so whether it's a competitor, whether, you know, it happens a lot in the creative world. Well, if I show this person how to edit better, mm-hmm. they're going to be better than me. Yeah, you're right. If you have that mentality, because you basically said you're not going to get any better. So if you're able to sit and invest in someone else and learn all that you can do and pass that on, they're going to ask you questions. When you get asked questions, you have to rethink what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so even, you know, like I had done business uh, a video and I thought I had been really successful with it before we started right hand. And my business partner sat down and Brian was like, hey, we need to rethink what video is. Everyone thinks video is a singular thing. How much is it going to cost to do a 90-second brand film that's going to go on YouTube that we're going to push out on social media? Mm-hmm. And he's like, why is it that way? And I was like, uh-oh, I know the answer because we've always done it that way. Mm-hmm. So we rethought creating asset libraries for our clients, almost like doing media days like they do in sports where we get as much content as once and then also now it's collaborative and now we're storing it differently and housing it differently. Um, not worrying about, you know, helping construct an overall budget, but then how much can we maximize content that makes sense because we've understood the problem and we've helped redefine it. We've connected with audiences. So, I mean, that's what excites me. When you do that, you realize you've gained so much more than anything being taken away because you mm-hmm. simply refocused, re-energized yourself. Um, and I think that's where that shift in those meetings and those boardrooms or those war rooms or co-creation labs, whatever you want to call them now, people start to go and say, well, okay, wait a minute. Like I came into this without any expectations. I didn't know the answer. And all of a sudden now they're comfortable realizing like, that's the point. Like mm-hmm. if you called us and we came in and we said, I know your problem and I have the answer, I'd be really scared of that. I'd be really worried. It'd be like going to the doctor and before they've even taken your temperature, you're like, I've got this or the doctor mm-hmm. telling you that and you're like, wait a minute, you haven't taken my temperature yet. Like, how do you know what it is? And, um, silly analogy, but it's really true. I think so many people in our business think we come up with these happy accidents on a napkin, like Bob Ross, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not that at all. There's a strategy and a process. And, um, I think more businesses are starting to come around to understanding the, um, sometimes the things that they need are not the tangible strategy plans, crisis communication pieces, videos, social media posts. They're the squishy things. How do I understand this better? How do I get better? How does my team get better? How can we collaborate better? 
Um, how can we explore ideas that we might not have thought of yesterday? So I don't know. You know, we talk about nerding out and I'm nerding out. Yeah. So I, I love it, you know? That, I think w- what you're saying is a lot of uh, the work historically has been transactional of we're partnering with you and we're going to get outcome this, a, you know, new uh, advertisement or new a publication or a new page layout or a new logo or new whatever. And it's, you know, product or deliverable based where it has behind all that has you were partnering with these organizations and you teach them how to walk this journey. What they're getting is more transformational, which is how they carry themselves and the belief systems or the values that they have as an organization and the culture that can start to manifest there. I've, I like design a lot because of the growth mindset, but what it what it does for organizations beyond help them to be very innovative is it creates safety for people to experiment and to ask questions and to practice that curiosity because organizations that don't apply a designer's mindset or a growth mindset, it's fixed. You know, it's always been this way. The conversations about how do we get better, they're totally unwelcome in environments where people have a fixed mindset and they're just thinking transactionally, here's what we're doing. I don't really care why, here's what and how, versus the designer is more transformational. Why are we doing this? You know, how do we understand this problem better? And just asking questions like that invites different different way of thinking and opens the door for individuals to contribute and feel purpose in their work. And it's really cool to watch, to see organizations embrace this. And I'm sure you guys are just loving it every time you go into an organization and they think they want X and Y and you take them on this journey in the end, they get, you know, a whole different solution, but they get more beyond that, this new capability to think differently as an organization. And that's so cool. Yeah. I think the other thing it does, um, is it gets people comfortable with being uncomfortable in dialogue Mm -hmm. because that can lead to so many questions. We talked about the stigmas with mental health before. Um, You know, we look at the inequality we still have as a society and, and just, you know, very antiquated old, awful thinking that we have. So, mm-hmm. you know, my business partner and I, another thing that we're very passionate about is inclusion and representation and diversity and not mm-hmm. simply to check a box because then at that point you're just sort of perpetuating the problem. Honestly, it's having open dialogue with people. It's saying, help me learn, help me understand, help me get better. Um, even for us, when we hire, when we look for other groups to collaborate with, mm-hmm. I mean, we have a lot of intent because And it's not just race and gender. It's just, if you have a different perspective at the table, they've got different stories. They've had different experiences. They've lived a different life. They bring so much to the table. We all do. Mm -hmm. And so I think being able to go to a meeting and talk about that in a way that it's constructive, it's not critical. And sure, it might be uncomfortable, but you know, those uncomfortable conversations that you walk away from, you've just made it worse. So if you just dig in and say, okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk about diversity within our company. Let's define that word or let's talk about the way that we're losing employees because of turnover. Like, why is that? Is it our hire from within policy? You know, whatever those questions are, sometimes you get leadership that'll finally say, okay, I don't have the answer. Mm-hmm. That's why you're here. These people expect me to have it. So how are we going to work on this together? Because then we'll all win. And so I just think sometimes just having dialogue from the standpoint of we're all going to get better. We have to believe in ourselves, encourage ourselves and get better. 
from the standpoint of how we even think about things is probably the most critical, important thing in the whole conversation. Yeah. In our prep for this, you talked a little bit about the seamless self, this opportunity to be who you are in whatever situation you'd found yourself in. And there are certain situations in which individuals are unsafe to practice their their own beliefs. And part of that is because our systems and structures within industry have been created to favor a certain mindset. And, you know, for us, it's very comfortable. You and I were both white males and a lot of the systems and structures that have given us meaningful employment and things were designed to create success for us. And in some ways it created barriers for others. And those individuals don't have the same, you know, uh, things afforded to them to how they can show up where we can show up and we can be aggressive and we can say certain things. And they are women specifically, they, they have barriers in the workplace in which they feel safe to voice ideas or to demonstrate confidence and decisiveness. You know, our systems and structures have prevented people from living these seamless lives. And I think you and I, we've benefited because we can be who we are in our in our houses and in our workplace. And we've got certain advantages, but I think it's become time now to realize that others don't have that ability to have a seamless life. And it's up for us, it's up to us who do have it to advocate for its importance and to actually change the environment and the systems and structures to invite individuals back to the table so that they could be whole again. And yeah, be the change in the world that you want to see, right, my Angela? Right? It's true. If we can lend a voice uh, from a sta- standpoint of being empathetic and wanting to get better, and just being able to continue a great conversation in a way that's constructive, then um, that's movement and that's progression. And as much as we'd like to snap our fingers and have it fixed today, that's not how it works. So we also have to have it be a sustained effort, and that's why it can't be a box to check. It has to be something that is part of you and part of what you believe in so that you can move it forward because it's a fight in you that you're never going to give up. And mm-hmm. that's the most important thing for me is it's easy to point at our, talk to our family, even our careers at times as things that we'll fight for to the end. But what are the other things like you talked about? What are the purposes greater than ourselves that we believe in we can fight in and fight mm-hmm. for that will be, whether you're here at 43 or 93 or 103, those are things that are, are, are lifelong things that we nerd out about or care mm-hmm. about. and. Um, that's where I think you can certainly, you know, the whole idea of like one person can't change the world, but we think of it in too much of a global sense. Um, you know, we talk about it, believe it or not, at Taekwondo with our younger instructors. We have 13, 14, 15-year-old black belts that are student instructors now mm-hmm. working with younger kids. And we tell them all the time, you don't know what life that student has lived when they come into that, that gym and they've left. So while they're here, be that positive impact because that is their world. And you have no idea when they leave and go back if they haven't found strength or comfort in something that you've told them. And they may tell that to somebody else and they may tell that to someone else. So there's definitely a ripple effect that can come Mm -hmm. from not only being positive, but again, being empathetic and being mindful of other people. And, um, you know, taking that whole idea of like, don't say you can't, you just haven't yet, you know, Mm -hmm. just instilling people. Like sometimes people just need someone else to believe in them and then tell them that for them to start to see, wait a minute. I can do this. Um, and again, as adults, you look around at business right now. How many CEOs, how many CFOs, CIOs, VPs, managers, two year out of college, one year out of high school kids 
have someone every day that's motivating them to get better and then telling them stories about how they, they didn't do well, how mm-hmm. they need to pick back up. Right. So, uh, not to give a, uh, you know, pep talk there, afraid of us, but, and this time that we're living, I think now more than ever, we really do need to reach out to each other and bring people along and bring people up and, um, we'll all be better for it. I agree. Yeah. I had an episode with Julie Kratz. I published it just this morning, actually. And she challenged uh, organizations to not not try to close this gap of inequality or, um, you know, focus on diversity in, you know, major transformative efforts, but in very small behaviors that create um, uh, and embrace different ways of thinking. And she gave an example of in a meeting, if you are in a session and you witness someone talking over another individual, if you just circled back and said, I saw that this person tried to contribute and I want to bring, bring that conversation back to them and just hear their thought, just that simple redirection, it's pretty easy to do. You have to be mindful that if you're the team leader to pay attention to, to that thing playing out. And when it does, then show the behavior of it's not okay for us to talk over one another and to circle back and express genuine interest in what that one person had to say. And that gives that person power. And that if that then in that culture, you show that this is what the expectations are as a leader is we stop and we create um, this environment where everyone can contribute and their voices can be heard because in some situations that that plays out every day in meetings and on teams where individuals have ideas and they try to voice them, but their voices are mute or they're not heard because someone is, you know, overpowering it or not, or devaluing it. And you can just, in your everyday behavior, show that that's not acceptable. So her episode, she had a lot of great examples of what we can do to create those environments. And what you're talking about is that's it, it, even important in this growth mindset and this design mindset. And maybe people, aren't aware of it because they think if they do something about it, that they're going to give up a whole bunch and there's not enough to go around. What reality is, is if you have this mindset of abundance, you have plenty to give and growth for others equals growth for you. And it's just this beautiful ecosystem where everyone benefits and it's not, I gave this up and now therefore I'm, I don't have, but I gave up and they gained and we grew, we grew together. Yeah. And you and I talked about it a little bit before. Um, Continual improvement, whether it's business or yourself, Mm -hmm. you can do it at home. And, you know, I'm not always going to get things right, but as a husband and a father, and we'll just use it. My my wife's a nurse at IU Health and she started for six years in the PICU at Riley. And then she was a flight nurse with Lifeline for four years. Now she works at a surgery center, but she got trained on Saturday in their virtual, um, sort of consultation now for their command center. And you and I had talked about, you know, she's going to be thrown probably in the front line here soon if this picks up and it probably will get worse before it gets better if we're being honest. Um, But that's, she's a nurse to her core and she wanted to be a nurse to be bedside to help people, specifically kids. So when that phone rings and she's got to go in, she's not going to think twice about it. So there's always fear of her getting sick, of her bringing it back to the family, of, of us, I think, for us being healthy adults and our kids being relatively healthy, the fear is spreading it to someone who isn't. 
and just being aware of what that can happen. But at the same time, this is what she's been called to do. And this is what she wants to do. So I'm trying to be in that design thinking growth mindset of future state. What are we going to learn from this? How are we going to grow? And honestly, how can we grow together? How can we support each other? How can we be a better wife and husband and a better team? Uh, even though we think we're a great team already. And you, when you do that, you immediately start to find that, wait a minute, there is good in this. There is something positive that we can gain from this, you know, and I will admit I'm a horrible elementary and junior high school teacher that I found. Um, so I give mad props to all the teachers out there. Um, but you know what? Like our kids are going to see how we've handled this situation. And so if we can truly lead by example and model behavior that we want them to take, they're going to learn something. They'll have a story to tell their grandkids whenever they're older. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is about getting better, not just at work, but the personal level and how all that stuff intersects, you know, whether it's being a mentor to a college student who's wanting to get into video or even, uh, you know, teaching up the next great, you know, Bruce Lee at Taekwondo or whatever that is. I mean, I think it's that reach and strive to get better. That is why we do this. Yeah. I've, I like that you gave an example of how adopting a growth mindset just within your household creates this ripple effect. One, it's going to strengthen your and Jill's relationship as she feels like she's being called to return to the bedside and give service there. And, you know, nurses are unique and very special people and I couldn't do what they, they do. And therefore, you know, my initial response is no, stay with me. It's not safe or stay in this house in just that, that fear can take over and that can cause a lot of stress within the relationships between, you know, you and, and Jill, but you're saying more of, I'm, I'm going to be supportive of that. I'm going to adopt a growth mindset and we're going to both go after it together. And just being that united front, you're showing to your kids the importance of relationships and um, service, you know, that this will leave an impression on them that we did the scary thing because it was the right thing during the time of uncertainty. And that is good role modeling. So you're showing to your kids that when facing uncertainty, you do the scary thing, you do what's right. And I think that's a good um, way to show up and a good way to create new thinking in them that you're going to, you kids, you're going to face uncertainty for sure in your lifetime. And here's how you deal with it. Um, I think the gist of it, I think you were talking about the um, modeling the behavior for uncertain times. How can we look at these things as positives and how can we not be thinking of it like, oh, I got to stay home. My mom's got to teach me. My dad's got to teach me. We're probably going to have to eat box macaroni for one night. You know, that's kind of stuff. Um, And the only thing I'll add to that is in my family, we've always used uh, humor to solve things, Mm -hmm. whether I was hurt on the football field or upset about something. I mean, my mom and dad, all my family, my aunts and uncles back home in Pennsylvania. Um, we always had a good time and we always did things as a family. And those are the Mm -hmm. things that you carry with you forever. Those are things that people can't take away from you. So, you know, we've tried to laugh a lot, do silly things, you know, like, I don't know if the kids are going to teach us TikTok dances or anything to that extent, but, um, you know, we're watching silly movies now. I mean, you know, we're all looking for an escape a little bit, but it's also how you're right, how we handle those things and how we just make the most of the situation that we're in and not lose sight of the fact that, you know, um, feeling sorry for ourselves or thinking about all the bad stuff, you know, you're going to be what you think about. Mm-hmm. So if you're always yeah. thinking about the bad stuff, 
you're going to be right there. So let's think about the good stuff and have some fun and not lose sight or perspective that, you know, this is a pandemic that's going to affect millions of people. So you don't want to be insensitive about it. Um, so it's a perspective slash, you know, projection piece of, of moving forward. Yeah. So I think in the last question I tend to ask is how does this passion of yours to adopt a growth mindset, to create environments where people can be seamless and be who they authentically are and to redefine the problem, you know, how, how does that dovetail with all things improvement? So improvement, I'm trying to broaden the definition. So self-improvement and improvement within teams or within households or couples, you know, improvement is to me pretty, pretty broad and should, should be broadened. So I'm curious as you take this passion and you try to extrapolate it and try to apply it to all things improvement, what, what connections do you see? Well, it's the idea. um, I love the book range by David Epstein. And it's the idea of specialists may jump out ahead quicker. But over time, some specialists can become, um, you know, more confident, but less competent because they've not expanded their, their reach. They're not expanded. And where if you stay more from a generalist standpoint, you can look for analogies in everything, in connections. So that's why, you know, we're not specific to a certain industry because we don't need to be because we can learn marketing shampoo could help. Someone who's trying to do dog treats can help an online beauty brand who can help an engineering firm. And it's because mm-hmm. at the core of it, again, almost everything we do starts and stops with the person on the other end. The better we understand them and where they are, the better we can connect messaging where they need to be. And so when you think about life in general, improvement, once you've sort of adopted that mindset, knowing that there's going to be days that you're not going to be there. I mean, let's be honest, mm-hmm. not everyone wakes up in the morning like, how can I redefine how I put my socks <laughs> on, right? Maybe there are. Um, so we need other people around us to help. But in general, I think it's anything. It's how can I make a fun date night for my wife or vice versa? What can I do with the kids this week that doesn't include tech? How can I be a better father, a mentor? How can I help my community? Um, I want to cook. I'm going to try something without a recipe. I'm going to imagine what it would be like to make the best pot roast ever. Um, you can apply what we do to anything. And that's the great thing about it. Because once again, you're not putting a barrier in front of it. You're not thinking about the fail because if you've learned something, have you really failed? And most decisions that we make, we will sit down and think of the hundred things that could go wrong. And in most instances, it never happens. Mm-hmm. So when we allow ourselves to just think freely, dream big, do the things that we need to do, then that improvement is going to come from growth. It's going to come from being uncomfortable at times. Go to a meeting that you don't think you belong at. Join a board. Do whatever you need to do. And be like, this is going to be really uncomfortable. We know what you're going to learn something about yourself and you're going to grow. And if you do all those things, I believe you're going to improve, right? And it's no different than people do DIY projects at home. People start a new craft. They want a hobby. People do new things. I mean, I know I talk about Taekwondo a lot, but I'm really big on making sure as adults, we have something that's a physical and mental stress relief for us Mm -hmm. and something that's healthy. That's even better. And I've seen, we just saw it. We had a competition before this whole thing happened last month in Ohio. And there was a 65 year old orange belt competing and he did a great job. So he just said, I don't care how old I am. I don't care that I'm going to start a journey that I might not get a black belt till I'm 70. I want to do this. Mm -hmm. those are the people that get it to in my book 
because he's doing design thinking. He's doing growth mindset, right? He's, he's being abundant in his thoughts. Um, he's not thinking about how bad he'll hurt the next day or what if I twist an ankle or, well, everyone my age shouldn't be doing this. Why? Who said you can't do that? Um, so I just look at it all as a chance to improve. Um, and I think when the day comes when I feel like I've learned everything, I just need to just quit, right? Because mm-hmm. then there's that, that to me is defeat, right? When we feel that we've got to a point when there's nothing left to learn, then we're not pushing ourselves. We're not surrounding ourselves with, with the right people. Uh, and we've kind of lost that inspiration to move forward. So I think all of us can improve every day at anything and everything if we just put our mind to it. Yeah, that's such a positive note to kind of leave things on is by adopting this mindset, you position yourself to be able to be improved and to make improvement. And you may never know the things because we are the biggest critics of ourselves. So we may feel like we're not growing, but by adopting this mindset, we truly are. And the measures of our actions as they unfold and how we interact with others. And then those interactions changes how that person interacts with the things around them. We may never see that ripple effect occur, but we should still show up anyways and um, be fully present and be completely open-minded and just try to grow in whatever situation we're in. And so I think that's just a positive note is if you adopt this growth mindset, you can achieve and sometimes you you won't know the progress so a lot of times you know like your kids for example they just grow up real quickly and you don't really see it but then a cousin or someone who doesn't see him frequently shows up and like oh my gosh they've grown by leaps and bounds so I think in this as you do grow if you want to know are you changing as an individual have someone be those eyes for you and the other part is the impact that you have on others, just do it because it's the right thing to do and don't do it because you want to be able to quantify the changes you've made in other people. Still just do it because it's, it's needed and it's necessary. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. I mean, it's, uh, it's great thinking. It's something I've always appreciated when you and I've talked, I mean, you've always been there and, you know, look at what you've done this past year already and you're just getting started and you know, it's, as a business owner, just business owner, you wish it's always going to be on the up and you're not going to hit those down marks. But you and I both know then those down marks are the times when we're learning at the rapidest point, because a lot of times we've yeah. either tried something new or we unexpectedly walked into something that we didn't understand and see. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I've, I would never be crazy enough to do an Ironman, <laughs> um, right? Um, and that sounds insurmountable to somebody, but you did it. Right. And a lot of that, I bet you'd probably, I'd hope you'd think too, that a lot of that was in your head. A lot of that, your body just became a machine at that point. You had to personally want to do that. And so um, you're right. I think sometimes the things we don't see are the most important. The physical stuff is always right there, but you know, the belief we have in our abilities and the people around us are important. So I'm right there with you. Yes. Man, I love this conversation, and I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to nerd out with me and to create this episode. I know that as we share it, it's going to resonate well with individuals, and you just shared so much information that I, th- I think was necessary to get out there and to invite people to embrace this thinking and to see where it takes them. And I, and I just love that you're like, this is how I think. I didn't always think this way. 
here's how I had to work really intentionally to adopt this mindset. And, you know, I'm not perfect every day. There's sometimes I screw up and I would like a mulligan, but reality is the next day is that next opportunity to do it again and again and again, and just to, you know, be present and to put it out in the universe that this is how I choose to live my life. And I think if you choose to live yours this way too, you're going to see some profound things happening. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. This was yes. great. It was a great conversation. I enjoy all the guests you've had. I've listened to all the episodes and I'm looking forward to what you guys are doing next and who you're talking with next. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Ike. Thank you.